Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Wrench. I am your host, Jay Ganinen, and today we're talking with Charlie Shepard. Charlie is a senior business analyst for Rudder Key Solutions and has an extensive history with running fleets. Throughout his march up the ladder, he has seen a lot in this business and has some really great insight on how to treat people. The focus of our conversation is going to revolve around evaluating potential candidates for your position and retention strategies to keep them once they're on your team. Hi, Charlie. How is everything in Texas? Oh, things are great here, Jay. Getting warmer, of course. So it's, it's that typical, it goes from kind of cool to hot and, and we're getting there. The AC is running. Yeah. <laughs> well, up in Wisconsin, we're, uh, we're a little bit away from that yet. And I think we go from having heat on still to uh, we're just happy when we don't have to have the heat on. So a little right. different climate, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for today, let's, let's kick things off with uh, some background on you. How, how did you get into this business? What was your kind of evolution and how did you get involved with this in the first place? Right. So absolutely. So I kind of started, you know, I, I was that kid outside with my dad, kind of tinkering with, with cars and, and pretty much anything else my dad had laying around. I'm sure my parents spent a lot of money on toys that I took apart just to see how they work. Um, so, I, so I always had that mechanical mindset. And, and from there, I joined the Marine Corps where I spent 21 years serving in the Marine Corps. I, it, it was a blast. And, and there is kind of where I cut my teeth on understanding how, how fleets work and, and the different dynamics of maintenance operation in general. Throughout that, I had an opportunity to, to not only run vehicle fleets, but to also manage maintenance operations for different platforms and different types of equipment. After retiring, I, I've had a few roles, everything from setting up service programs for companies. You know, I worked for a municipality for a while, also did some time with a service company, fleet services company. A lot of fun there, lot, learned a lot, kind of helped understand kind of how that works. And then I, I worked for a private fleet. Um, and then um, current, my current role, I'm actually involved heavily in anything pretty much service and ma- service and service management dealing with the implementation of ERPs. So that's exciting new roles, a lot of fun, a great team. And I, I'm still involved in maintenance and then I get to play with computer software as well a little bit. That's, uh, that's great. So who, who would be a typical customer for you, Charlie? So, so we, for, for the system we implement, we, we have customers. So this company is actually, the, the software company is based out of Sweden. That's where they got their start. So utility companies, pretty much any company really. So um, there's a few companies we're dealing with right now. Um, not sure if I'm at liberty to say who they are. No, that's okay. But, but so the, the software company is um, IFS. Um, so if you look that up, IFS systems, we deal with a lot of different customers and pretty much the gambit and medium to large corporations. Interesting. So one thing I, I'm always curious about, especially dealing, we deal with a lot of military personnel, right? And one of the things that I'm always fascinated by is that kind of the, how that translates into citizen life. How did you see, was there, was there any difficulty in making that transition or was it, I mean, is it pretty relatable or walk me through that a little bit because it's always something that I'm curious about. So, so I, I, from what I've seen, so with my experience, and, and mind you, I, I spent about two years preparing myself for that transition, and it, it was still bumpy, right? Yeah. You know, getting a feel for where I wanted to be, where I wanted to go. 
and what I've found kind of reaching back and, and kind of looking at it, it, it changes. So it's always a struggle to, to be the guy that's on the outside now trying to help someone that's in because, you know, things change. Uh, so for me, the biggest challenge I saw was translating everything over so that everybody can understand it. So kind of being a translator in the middle so that I can say, okay, you're in the army, you're in, you're 88 Mike. You know, I know what that means. The average person, you know, in the civilian world might not know what that means. Yeah. So, so I understand, okay, you drove vehicles, right? So, and actually, so one of the things I did when I worked for the municipality is I sat down with my HR rep and we kind of came up with a cheat sheet with some key terms, uh, key job titles to kind of look for, to kind of get an idea, you know, if those people fit or not. Interesting. Um, just just I, yeah. based on that skill set. Um, right. So, so that helped a lot. It also meant uh, I liked that a lot more resumes. So I, I spent my afternoons um, reading through hundreds of resumes, just kind of looking at that and helping her see, okay, these, these are the kind of things you can look for. These are the, this is typically the type schooling they've had. These are the, typically the type experience they've had. Um, so I think that's a big help. Yeah, I would say. I, and that's something it just from my standpoint, being on the other side of that fence, not not being overly clear on that, it, it is a disadvantage for those of us that don't have military background. And I haven't heard it worded that way. I think that's a really cool thing. So when you see those folks, and, and this isn't the focal point of our conversation, but it is just general information that I think is good for everybody. Absolutely. When you see somebody that's in the military and they are coming out, do you have any advice for them uh, on making that transition and how, you know, how to make it smoother or how to make it, uh, cause that, that's, that's tough. You go from, it's a different world and, and trying to, to make that move. Any suggestions on what they can do to kind of prepare themselves for a life after the military? Absolutely. Connect, 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 network, network, network. Mm. Um, and, and I say that because, so I, I grew up in Georgia and I retired from California and I ended up in Houston, Texas. Right. So and a lot of that had to do with my connections. You know, I had some, I had a friend that was from Houston. Um, you know, we kind of talked about where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. And then from that, that, that kind of, and I, I moved to Houston without a job, right? I, I wasn't sure what that was wow. going to look like when I moved there. Yeah. So it was, it was an adventure for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and, and plenty of military folks do that. They may retire, they may get out or, or leave the service where they're at or they may decide to go back home or, or they may be unsure. Right. Yeah. So, so I would say definitely connect as much as possible, reach out to as many people as you can. Um, so that's a big piece. And then if you, if you have a rough idea of what industry or where you want to go, you know, you know, do a Google search and, and start figuring out as much as you can, what information you can dig in and then, you know, kind of look at that. So, look at how I, how can I translate, you know, my skills into something that's understandable to someone who has no idea what a, you know, what a 3521 is. Yeah. Right. Um, so those kind of things uh, that I, I think that helps get you moving in the right direction. And there's still a lot of work to be done after that, of course. Well, and I think that's, you hit that on the head because I've managed uh, folks that have been in the military. And I think sometimes they would get frustrated if me as a manager didn't know the language that they were talking, right? And I felt bad at times because of that. And I I look at that and I'm like, gosh, dang it. Like if we we were able to have (laughs) that translator, Translator. yeah, yeah, it would have been a lot smoother (laughs) transition. And there's a ton of 
value in that. And I just, I, I look at that and I, I just think back to days when I was managing folks that had been in the military and we still, we have some vets that work for us here at Finder Edge. So this is all good advice even for me now, but understanding if I were to put myself in the shoes of somebody coming out of the military, not that I ever could, but to, to understand that it, there is a little bit of a language barrier there almost and, and to understand that and try to, to acclimate yourself with citizen life. I'm assuming that's harder than it sounds. That's, that's a lot harder than it sounds, right? Right. So, and there's some challenges there too. So, and another piece of that for, and this is kind of advice for any veterans out there or those who are about to make that transition, the responsibility is kind of shared. It's, it's our responsibility to, to be able to figure out how to make that translation. Uh, as much as possible. It's just as important for me to be able to translate my skill set, my military skill set to you as it is for you to understand it, right? Yeah. So, so that's one piece for sure. And it's, again, it's not easy. It's, it's hard work. And, and then, so the other piece of that is how do we manage that? How do we put all that together? And, and then if I had my way, everyone thinking of transitioning out, they would have a mentor with yeah. about two years time to be able to walk through some things uh, and stay up to date. And, and you know, this as well as I do, things change. Yeah. You know what the terminology and the way things is today, it's going to be different this time next year. For right. Sure. Um, just because the nature of what we do and that's true in any industry. Um, right. So, so that's one piece and then understand as well, you know, got to manage those expectations. Right. So w- when I retired from the Marine Corps, the job I took, I knew it was a stepping stone and we, I spoke with the operations manager and I knew where I was starting and it was much lower than, you know, where I was while yeah. I was in the service, but there was a plan there and we'd agree to it. Um, so, you know, and I knew what I was getting myself into. I, I knew what I, I knew my responsibility and they understood theirs. Um, so that, I think that's the other piece because I have ran into veterans that, how do I say this lightly and gently? They have a certain expectation um, yeah. and that may not always, you know, being a veteran helps get you in the door, but you still need to be able to communicate and, and, and have the right skill set that's going to be a fit for that organization to, to kind of move forward. And I think you've done about as good a job at this as anybody. And, and you're very active on LinkedIn, on social media. And I, I think that's a that's a really good way to acclimate yourself and, and network, as you said, with others in the industry and try to try to get an understanding and know that it's not it's sometimes not as easy to to make that transition as if you just went through a traditional tech school and went, you know, went went into a, a fleet right off the bat. But you also have the advantage of being in the military and having the discipline that the military really instills in you. And then having that mechanical knowledge, you know, that mechanical knowledge doesn't change uh, and, and understanding hydraulics and electrical and, and kind of everything that goes into it. Sorry to, to pick your brain on the military stuff here, but not a problem. What, what, so walk me through what all did you work on in the, in, when you were in the Marine Corps? So pretty much anything, again, pretty much I can get my hands on. So typically though, um, the, the first shop I went to, we, we were kind of broken up into sections, you know, so we had a light section and those folks worked on the equivalent of a, um, a Chevy pickup, the smaller version. So, you know, you're really light. Um, Chevy pickup trucks. We had some of those still in the fleet. Um, and then your Humvees, typically what, that was what our light section worked on. Yep. And then, and the heavy section is where I went and which I enjoyed the most. And mind you, they were all diesel, seven ton capacity and higher, actually five ton capacity and higher. So any capacity wise, you know, my bigger, my, my medium to bigger trucks. Um, and then some of my, you know, and it, so it was 
hydraulic intensive and everything else. And then I also had an opportunity to work on some heavy equipment here and there. And that was typically, that wasn't the day to day. That was just kind of, Hey, you have a toolbox, <laughs> go figure this out. Cause again, I believe if you can understand the principles of operations and you understand basic troubleshooting, you can fix anything. Uh, I totally agree. And that's, that's, I I think you're spot on. And that's kind of why I was asking that question because I think that's where you get exposure to a lot of different kinds of equipment or vehicles, and that should be able to translate over to civilian life. And, you know, I, I think there is a little bit of a learning curve, but that, that mechanical knowledge doesn't go away. Absolutely. So, and if I could, if I could share a quick story and bring yeah. in some folks that's worked for me before. So we were deployed above a born ship and we actually had one of our purif- water purification systems go down. Uh, this thing's pretty complex. It probably has, you know, a hundred circuit circuits and, and diodes and, and, you know, just all type of electronics in one little panel. Um, so we had some issues with that thing. So I was able to team up one of my electronic repair guys and one of my heavy equipment guys together and they figured it out, you know, so they actually wrote up a report telling me, Hey, these are the circuits that we believe are bad. These are our readings from all of that. So, and, and initially the, the thought process was, Hey, we need to get a, you know, someone from the manufacturer out here to look at this thing. But of course me saying, Hey, we're going to figure this out. <laughs> so, so I kind of challenged, you know, my folks to, Hey, do some research on this. Here's what I want you to do and tell me what you come back with. And, and by challenging them and doing that, after about an hour, they go, we think we can fix it, right? Uh, so, so I kind of gave them that ability. It was, it was a huge risk because we needed that thing pretty quick. Yeah. But, but they were able to kind of tell me, hey, this is what we found. You know, these are my readings. These are the resistance we're getting from these items. Um, so we were able to order the parts. And, and by the time we got to where we were going, we had the parts there on the ground and we had that thing going within a day. That's so, awesome. Uh, and so, <laughs> that yeah. shows like putting faith in your people too, right? That, that, a little bit, little bit of pressure there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's awesome. And mind you, they, they work together and, you know, in their separate sections, but never had they, you know, done that kind of thing. So, and, and then similarly, we, we, I had a, one of my bigger trucks, we had some issues with, so it's the equivalent to an ECM um, on, on the military stuff. Mm-hmm. There were some issues with that and, same thing when one of my radio repair guys is like, we think it's this, you know, my, my mechanic was saying that. Yep. So we need to order this part. And so my computer guy was like, Hey, can I take that apart? Sure. Go for it. And he found it. He goes, Hey, I have a, I have that diode in my bag. <laughs> right? No way. <laughs> yes. So and it's, it, to me, it's really about, you know, sitting conditions, uh, allowing them to educate themselves, allowing them to make mistakes. Right. Yeah. And then empower them to do what they need to do. And trust me, they'll figure it out. Yeah. And just the uh, exercise of having them do that critical thinking or thinking beyond just uh, the surface. Beyond the wrench. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond the wrench. There you go. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So this, this actually kind of brings, brings me to what our focus of this conversation is. And, and I want to start by kind of asking how did the military and how did your kind of upbringing affect the way that you, you manage people and that you treat people? I, I have to have an idea that that had a, a bearing on the way that you conduct your business. So most definitely. Again, so for me, as, as a young technician, all I really wanted to do was give me my tickets. I'll be in my corner bay fixing my trucks. And then yep. when I'm done with these, give me more and leave me alone. And that was, <laughs> you know, I, I was that guy that, you know, I, I kept my head down and, 
And I also, because we had paper manuals back then, I, I was the guy that was taking the manuals home on the weekends to read through them and, and, and just kind of doing that. And my goal was to be the best mechanic that I could be. I wasn't, right? But <laughs> that was my goal. Right. Uh, but, you know, at, at one point I, I had, um, I'd had a surgery. Um, so I was, I was working, but it was limited. And, and then, um, you know, my officer in charge, you know, he, he walks up to me and he's like, Hey, I know you got to, I know they really need this thing. And it so it was a fire truck, military fire truck. And I was one of the only mechanics that had worked on them and knew about them, you know? So it was, it was typically when one came in, you know, I knew that was my, my next ticket. So he walked by me, he goes, Hey, I see you're underneath there. You know, he goes, I'm not a mechanic. I can't help much, but I can hand you tools. Um, so we kind of end up as we, as we're doing that, you know, he's getting to know me really, for me, that was impressive. No one yeah. had ever done that before. Um, so, you know, I, I, he kind of took a liking to me. And, and in my mind, he became my first mentor. Um, and, and, and actually, he, he was at my wedding, uh, ironically. Oh, how cool. Um, so, so that's kind of, I would say that's where it all started, right? Just, just seeing him, he cared about me. Yes, he wanted to get the job done, but it was really, he got to know me. And, and that was kind of when I started my path on, you know, that's the route I want to go. I, I want to work my way up and then I want to become an officer in this field doing this because now, now my passion not only is, you know, maintenance operations, but it's also people. Right. And, so that, that's kind yeah. of how I, I would say that was the starting point for me. I, and you, you have an approach with people that I, I just really, really respect. I think the way that you treat people and the way that you view people is amongst the best that I've ever seen. I think it just, it's, it's really cool to see what you do and kind of your philosophies around that. So for today's topic, we want to take a deep dive into that kind of candidate experience or employee experience, right? So somebody that might not be working for us currently, but we want to, or somebody that is currently working for us. So, you know, really how we treat folks when they come into our shops. I've had a really nice conversation with you over the phone a few months back about it. And I, I took a lot from that conversation, which is where I, I'm, I'm really excited about having you on this podcast to talk about this, because I think it's, it's sorely needed in our not not only our industry, but all over. Uh, I, I think it uh, the the way that people are treated and employees are treated at sometimes isn't the greatest. So why is this important to you? Why why are you so passionate about that that people side? Is it because of that that initial mentor relationship, or is there more behind it and just figuring out what your strengths were? So so I think it's a combination of all those things. So short answer is yes, right? So a lot of that is. So yes, sink, sink, having that experience, right? So that was a big piece for me. Um, so the other piece of that, you know, growing up as a kid, my dad was always, if you go to my small town right now and say, hey, I'm looking for Charlie Shepard, there's a chance that the person you're talking to knows who he is, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, that, and that's not because, you know, he was famous, you know, he was famous for taking care of people. So some of that was from there as well. And that's, to me, it became important because at the end of the day, no matter what, so, so you and I couldn't be where we are if it wasn't for people. Sure. All of the awards and, and every time I've, I've had one or did it, I've, I've told my folks this, every reward I have hanging on my wall is not just mine. It has my name on it, but it belongs to those people that helped me get there, helped me achieve those, go those goals um, and, and all those other things, right? Because- Without them, I couldn't have done that. I, I couldn't have, if I didn't have people that were willing to step up to the plate and, and handle those other tasks and, you know, make sure that equipment's getting fixed, you know, do that diagnostics and, and, and figure these 
these items out and let me focus on other things, you know, I would, I wouldn't be there. So I, at the end of the day, and, and I'll use a cliche, you know, together, everyone achieves more, yep. um, it, it, you know, that, that applies. And, and I take that very serious. Um, so at some point, you know, just kind of looking at, I, I became passionate about people because at the end of the day, and, and even me, not just technicians, but yes, technicians most definitely because that's kind of my background. But I think, more often than not, we fail to see our potential until someone points it out to us, right? Yeah. I, I, I would have never, I, I could have potentially still been that guy um, saying, hey, just give me my tickets and I'm in my corner, right? But that wasn't meant to be for me. There, there, was, there was something else that I needed to do. And, and I feel directly or indirectly, I've impacted a lot of lives because of that. And, and it's, it's always nice to get that random phone call Hey Charlie, this is you know this is Avery. Just yeah, calling to see how you're doing. Hey, what's going on, man? When's the last time we talked? You know, just just to have that right to say you know people people are still interested in you know what I'm doing as much as I am what they're doing. Um, so that to me, it's just impacting the lives of people. I think what I love about you, Charlie, is you can tell when you say it that it's not just lip service, right? Uh-oh. Like it, 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 you truly have a heart for these people and really care about them. And I think that's why you have so much success, even if they're not working for you right now and wanting to maintain those relationships and, and just showing that you genuinely care about these people. Absolutely. So, and, and I think the other piece of that too, it's for me, it's for me, it's also in sort of to put it, to set a good example, right? So, because if I impact someone's life in a positive manner today and, and kind of show them, hey, if, if you take these steps, you can be successful. But when you do this, you have a responsibility to make sure someone else is successful too, right? So basically duplicating that effort. How, how, can, I, how can I help one person move in the direction that works well for them and then get them to see, hey, if, if you do these steps, you can be here. But if you also do these steps while you're doing those other steps, you can influence other people who's going to help you move even farther. Right. So it's, it's, it's beneficial for both sides. Uh, and, and again, I, I've had folks that, you know, a, a young man I talk to same, we, we typically talk, you know, at least four or five times a month, if not more, it all depends on how busy we both are. But because of, you know, the, I would say the latitude I gave him to grow because I kind of set the guidelines here, here's my expectations. Here's what I need to know about. Here are the things that, you know, shoot me a note. It, I don't, it doesn't have to be a phone call. Other than that, you know, run with, here's the ball, run with it, get to the goal line. And because of that, you know, a couple of people working for him, he did similar, right? So at a different level, he, you know, you know what you got to do, the, you know, stay busy. This is what we got to accomplish. And, and those folks did that. And, and he got to see, hey, when I allow my people to do what they need to do and set the expectations, guess what? They're going to step up to the plate and I'm going to say, Hey, I need you to do this. And they go, Oh yeah, that's already done because they they're there. They're on the ground. They see it. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, it's truly amazing. I'm sure you can hear the excitement in my voice. Right. Yeah. It's, it's truly amazing when you get to a point where you know, Hey, you know what? I got I have to go. I need to go check on this, the status on this equipment. And, and you're, you go to ask your people and they go, Oh yeah, that's already done. It's, I, I shot you a note to let you know that. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm behind now. Right. <laughs> so that, that's always exciting. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think this is, this is uh this is great. And I, I mean, it really does lead into what our core conversation is here today in really that candidate experience and that, that current employee experience. Right. And I, what I loved about you too, when, when we talked was uh, having the 
proactive thought about about career progression for a technician or for for somebody that's working for you can you can you talk about that a little bit and what your beliefs are there you know what you've kind of come up with uh, i think you you put a lot of thought into this and i think you did a really good job at it right absolutely so so yes yeah, so for me it's typically i i start slightly before actually going okay i need some mechanics i need to evaluate you know figure out what that is so so i typically start with really getting an understanding of my current team and, and their capabilities and then i want to look at what's my current maintenance operations and, and you're going to hear me say maintenance operations a lot just because sure. this this applies to fleets as well as you know any other industry that handles maintenance operations or service right so so i yeah. want to understand my, my current cap capacity I want to understand what my capabilities are currently with, with the staff I have. And then from there, I can kind of get an idea. Okay, I, I have some shortfalls here that I need to potentially look at. And, and reality is that may not be a, an external hire. You may have that person in your organization, right? You may have a strong, someone that's strong at troubleshooting that's really good at that. And you need to, you need a manager, right? So, you know, okay, this guy's a strong troubleshooter. Right. He's, he's great at it. And I can see him all the time. You know, people always go to him anyways. So how can I, you know, bring this person? So now I may be thinking, hey, this individual, and, and this is kind of mixing in with what the retention could look like. Yeah. This individual may be a good fit for a supervisor role. But how do I make sure I keep that continuity there? He's not going anywhere. So he's going to actually, so now I'm putting him, I'm actually giving him the role, which in reality, which he's pretty already doing for the mm -hmm. most part right? Because everybody's going to him anyways. And then how do I get his replacement in, in there? So it may be where I say, okay, I have a, this guy's a really strong troubleshooter and my number two is really strong as well. So I'm going to bring in a third guy or, or girl and pair them up. And, and, you know, and I don't need them to have the best troubleshooting skills. I need to, for them to have the right attitude and the right attitude, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. at, at the end of the day, that's key to me because it, it's going to do a couple of things. So, so if I'm concerned about my budget, I'm going to be able to say, you know, I'm going to be able to look at a candidate that's got the right attitude and aptitude may not, may not necessarily have the, the skill set I want, or I think I want, you know, when he walks in the door, but I believe he can get there with, with the help of myself and my current staff. So I may be able to bring that guy or girl in and say, Hey, I can pay you this. And we're going to get you some training and we're going to, we're going to pair you up. And we know basically I'm going to put a plan in place to get you from here to here. Are you, or is that something that works for you? Right. So, and that would be a conversation that I'd have with that candidate, you know, upfront. So they're aware what the expectations are, what they're getting themselves into and what that growth potential is. Mm -hmm. So I believe by doing that, you not only, not only now your, your current folks are talking, right. Because they're like, man, you know, there's some potential here. Yeah. Um, right. But that candidate, that candidate may decide, Hey, you know what? That's not for me, but guess what? They're telling their buddies. Right. Yeah. Um, so in my previous role, I had, I, I had the luxury of, I, I did one job posting one, but I, I hired 10 people over a three year span. Wow. And that one job posting, I didn't, I think I interviewed one person from it. <laughs> I didn't hire anybody from it. Right, so, right. It was so just a reputation was, thing, it, right? Absolutely. It, it was word of mouth. And, and then, so, and of those 10 candidates, I had two left for more money. And, and, and same thing, when they, when they let me know, we had a conversation. Hey, I'm proud of you. 
great yeah. job. <laughs> great job for, you know, and so the one technician, she, she'd actually come to me and the original plan for her was to do just that. Hey, you're coming in, you're green, you're, you're, you got the right attitude. You can, you can get to this point in a couple of years. And she, she met and exceeded that. I spent probably $2,000 getting her through some of our training for the specific equipment we had. I made that $2,000 back within a month. Oh, easy. easy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that, that's, that's a good point there too, Charlie. And in, in that I, the conversation you have when somebody puts in their resignation, I think says a lot about uh, the person that you are and the person that I hear from so many people that when they put in their resignation or put their two weeks in that their supervisor was very upset with them and were, you know, kind of berating them a little bit. And I just always look at that and I, I think, you know, one, everybody else in the shop sees that same thing, right? Absolutely. They, they know what that they just got, <laughs> this guy yeah. got yelled at for, for resigning. And I, I take the, the mindset that I want people to grow, whether that's with us or cool. wherever they go. Because I think if you're so selfish that you don't think that somebody should succeed without you or without, you know, outside of your company, I think that there's an undertone there that employees really, really pick up on. And it's a respect level of, you know, if they're good and they are, and most of the time, if, if they're, if they're leaving and the person's upset, the manager's upset, it's because they were pretty good. And when they leave, rather than berate them or call them names or, you know, make them feel bad about it, you should be proud of them that they, their growth led them to that. And, and I think that's a piece that others in the shop see and it's not always easy. I mean, I've had people quit and you're upset about it, but in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, we can, it's, it's impactful for our business, but it's not going to end the business. It's, it's more of, you know what? They probably earned their right at something bigger or something different. And, or maybe it just wasn't a fit for them in the role that they were in and we didn't have another role for them. So I think there's a lot of value there, Charlie, and what you're, t- what you talk about there. No, absolutely. So, and I think that the challenge there with most people is it's, that's hard to measure, right? So how do I measure my success, even if that person's leaving, right? So when that individual left, I, I was, I was extremely proud because at the end of the day, I knew that if someone needed something, there was a good chance that she was probably their first call, right? And, yeah. and again, she hadn't been there that long. She hadn't been doing it very long. So she, she'd proven to me, actually, she'd exceeded my expectations, right? But you know, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, everybody else saw that. And, and, and I let it, was, it was a frank conversation. Hey, I'm proud of you because I can't afford to pay you that. Um, so great job on, you know, getting to the point, you know, from, from start to where you are now, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. And, and then I went farther than that and I challenged her and, 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 and I remind her every now and then, Hey, I haven't forgot about our, our challenge. Right. Cause I've challenged her to grow even farther than that. But you know, that's cool. Once she moved over and, you know, it, it just wasn't working for her where she was at, you know, she, she made that phone call to the, to, you know, the supervisor saying, Hey, you know, I don't know if you got an opening, I'd love to come back. And of course, when the supervisor called me, I was like, absolutely. She's welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> What's she asking for? Right. So make sure she understands that, you know, that, that number hasn't changed. And so she actually did, she came back for, for, for less money. Right. But, you know, so, and so one of the other things we've done too, we, we, because of the nature of what we did, um, there was some flexibility with the schedule as well, right? Oh, so yeah. We, we were, and at the end of the day, and I let the supervisor know, hey, look, 
I don't have a set schedule for you all because the operations change, you know, on a weekly basis, you know, so I just need you to take care of operations as long as you're doing that. At, you know, frankly, I don't care what your schedule is as long as you're getting your work done. Right. Um, right. So, and I, and I had that latitude to do that. So I kind of passed that along to say, Hey, Monday through Friday, for sure. Right. You know, doing these hours for sure. But anything outside of that, if you need to adjust, you know, make that adjustment and, you know, just give me a heads up. That's good. I mean, that's good management and, and treating people right. And genuine, I think that's another case where you show that you genuinely care about them uh, as individuals and not just a number, right? I think that's, right. Uh, there's a lot of value in that. Now, I want to circle back to something that was earlier in our conversation, which uh, is around, you know, if, if you see somebody that is maybe not a strong diagnostic person, right? Or they're, they're not they're not the best tech, but you see that maybe there's some management potential there, or maybe, you know, I relate it to other places that I've been in the industry where you could potentially have that technician be a salesperson or a parts person or, you know, whatever it is. How do you manage the relationship to that other tech that is really good at, at diagnostics and is really good in the shop, but they're, they don't know it. They don't maybe understand it, but their talents are where they're at there. They're not, they don't translate as well. How do you manage that? And that's something I've struggled with before uh, where I've promoted somebody that wasn't the best in the shop, but was by far the best fit to go into the office. And so then you ruffle feathers by doing that. Any advice or any strategies that you've used uh, to, to kind of manage those relationships? Right. So, so a few things is um, I've always found key and, um, and I think I read it in a, in a book that I, that I um, had a few years back was uh, I managed by walking around. And, and, and what that means is I'm out on the floor or, or wherever I may be and, and I'm getting to know my people, right? So I, I've had an individual that, you know, this guy, he, he was a, let's say a leadership challenge, right? Yeah. And he wasn't the best at troubleshooting. He wasn't the best at, you know, a, a lot of different things. But we had those conversations and, and it wasn't always easy, right? But, yeah. and, and I did it in a way that wasn't malice or, or, or mean. Um, sure. you know, just kind of have, you know, what do you think you are? Here's where I think you are, you know, and stating the facts. Here's why I think you need to work on your troubleshooting, you know, and I give some specific examples. Sure. Right. And, and, then, and, and then I reach the handout, right? So let's work through these items, these three or four items. Here's what I'd like for us to partner up and, and do. You know, I'm going to give you some tools and then we're going to circle back. And, and if you have a question, we're going to walk through those. Um, so that's typically how I'll handle that. And then as far as the individuals that may be good in the office, sometimes I'll, I'll give them some samples. So when I was in the Marine Corps, I, I had the, um, I got an opportunity to actually send a group of people to what was the class? Seven Habits of Perfected People. Right. Oh, nice. So, yeah. so, so I took all of, you know, I took a certain group and they were pretty much all my non-commissioned officers. I said, Hey, I have 10 seats. You're all going, you know, and, and of course they, they really didn't have that. It was, it wasn't an option. <laughs> so, and it was three days long. So then, you know, after all those folks are gone, I took, I took my next senior guy and I was like, Hey, you're going to be in charge. You're going to sit in my, my office and answer the phone. And, and here's a notebook, take notes. That's all you have to do really. Here's what we got going on. Here's the things I need you to work on. So he got, he got a sample of that. He didn't want to do it again. Cause he's like, you get too many phone calls. I don't want to do that again. Right? <laughs> but, but he got a feeling for what that, what that is. Right. Because 
So uh, virtually the other side of that. So one of my customers, we were actually, I was in their conference room. One of the customers were doing a, the implement, ERP implementation for, and, and that conversation came up about people in supervisory roles that probably shouldn't be there. Yeah. Uh, so the, the other piece of that is I, I think it's important to do that test drive, right? So we typically won't buy a car unless we test drive it, right? So for me, if, if I'm going to put someone into a role, and I've, and I've made the mistake of, hey, I'm gonna, this person's a good fit for this role, and, you know, but I admitted I was wrong, you know, and, and I had that conversation. Well, with I think we've all done that. Right? Yeah, I, yeah um, absolutely. So, but when we had that conversation, I also explained to him, it's, it's just as much my fault as it was there. It's because I didn't foresee the growth happening the way it did. So the, the time I planned to spend with that individual, helping them work through those challenges that I knew they were going to have, I didn't have that. Right. Mm. So they were understandable. And, and again, that's so believe it or not, he, he wasn't happy when we made that adjustment, but he still calls me. He calls me on Christmas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He'll send me a text to say, hey, you got to talk, even though we don't you know, we don't work together anymore. So I think that's important as well. Kind of having that test drive. Yeah. And I, I, again, I think you hit on a really good point with that, with the management by walking around and then having the candid conversation. Uh, a lot of times those difficult conversations, while difficult at that moment, could make a conversation down the road much, much easier if, if you handle it correctly. Right. And absolutely. We used to have them with you know, a lot of the conversations around rework and we always used rework as kind of a quality standard for, for a tech in the shop. And depending on what they did for rework and rework, meaning that they screwed something up, right? They, right. they went to go fix it and they didn't fix it right. And it had to come back. When you have those conversations, that's not a great conversation to have because typically it's a, it's a lack of performance or it's a lack of quality and, and right. you don't want to insult them. But at the same time, you, you've got to tell them, Hey, listen, quality's got to be better. You, you got to do a better job here. How do you find that conversation? And I'd be interested to hear your strategy or your way of dealing with that kind of crucial conversation, if you will, with a tech. Well, how do you approach that? How do you, how do you really kind of get to the core of the problem rather than kind of beating around the bush? And, you know, what, what do you find most effective in executing that? Right. So, so I think the key is, so one, sticking to the facts, right? So I don't necessarily want to say, hey, your, your performance is poor because that can mean anything. That could be interpreted anyway. So, so the way you frame that conversation, I believe, is important. So, and, I, and I'll offer an example of when I worked for the municipality, I had a, um, my lead mechanic at the time. He'd come to me. He'd actually applied for a shop manager position quite a number of times, a lot. You know, pretty much every time there was an opening, he'd applied for it and, and he didn't get it. So we'd had that conversation about, you know, his, his interest in, in, in that. So and I, kind of to bounce back, that, that's a key part to understanding what your people's ambitions are, right? Mm-hmm. If they have any, sometimes they may not know it, right? Yeah. So, so we'd had that conversation and, and, and I told him, hey, okay, you know, well, I'll help you get there if you're willing to put it in work. And I made it clear, it's not going to be easy. There are going to be days you're going to get mad at me because I'm going to treat you like I would treat my manager, right? Because mm-hmm. the level of expectations are different, right? So we had a specific conversation where we'd had a piece of equipment come, we'd had a truck come into the shop and it was overheating. So they knew they needed the truck. And instead of holding to its, to its guns and going, hope, oh, no, we're going to get this right. They took shortcuts and, you know, they tried a few things and it's like, hey, yep, it's not overheating anymore. Let's get it out of here. And, and they did that a couple of times. So 
you know, once that came back, you know, we, we walked, I was like, Hey, let's go for a walk. Um, and, and again, it's because I, if I'm in a facility, I, I walk anyways, that's kind of how I kind of clear my mind and, and, yeah. and think things through. So we took a walk and I was like, Hey, so this truck came in for this, it's back for the same thing. What happened there? And he was like, well, you know, he told me the background. So he was honest about it. And, and I was like, okay, so what do you think we could have done differently? So I think that's the key. So how do we, how do we, I, I don't really want to talk about the past because that's yeah. already done and over, right? So it's like, okay, so how do we move forward in a positive way? How do you see that looking? How, how do we get this fixed right the first time? What do you need, you know, what do you need from me to, to make that happen, right? So and naturally, if the, mechanic, if the technicians were any good at their job or, or take any pride, the last thing they want is for the guy in his suit to go out there and do it, <laughs> right? Right, right. <laughs> right. So, and, and I'll say, you know, do I, do I need to come out there? You know, I don't want to, but I, I, could, I could come out there, you know, and it's, and it's normally not like, it's like they get the hint. It's like, you know, I, I think I got some coveralls if I need to come out and kind of help you guys go through it. Oh, no, no, we got it, right? So it, it's, I believe it's possible to, to frame it where it's like, hey, you know, I want to get to this level and I need your help getting there. You know, what can I do to help, you know, us work to that level together? And these are some of the challenges I see today. And, you know, how do we move past those? So I think kind of framing it that way. And, and, and then, and then of course, you know, playing on that ego that most technicians have, you know, yep. how, how can I, how can I help you get to that next step? And the other side of that is you're going to have that one or that two that just doesn't get it. Right. right? But you, you still have to be persistent. And, and, and so the other piece of that is document. I think that's extremely important. So it, it's fair to the individual and it's fair to the organization to when you have those conversations, you know, hey, OK, so we're talking about this. We've agreed to this. I'm writing this down. Here's your copy. Right. Um, so so for me, then now that's a contract. Right. This is what we discussed. This is what yeah. we've agreed to. You shook your head. Yes. Or hey, these items you want to think about. So we'll come back to those in a week or two or whatever it may be. So I think that piece is important. So because unfortunately I have had to um, let someone go for performance. Yep. Um, but but when I had that, when I sat them down and said, you know, had that conversation, they didn't fight me. It was, okay, you're right. Yeah. And, and it actually threw me off and I was like, okay. Yeah, fair, <laughs> Are you sure fair. you don't want to fight back? <laughs> right. Fair. And, it's like, and of course, in my mind, yeah. I'm thinking, but I had all this stuff prepared. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I, yeah it, it, that is not, that's not a fun conversation to have. No, and no, it's, it it's but if I think you take the right steps, you can, yeah. my intent is that if we ever have to let anybody go, uh, and this has been my philosophy since I, I've ever been in management was I wanted them to know that the writing was on the wall and that it oh, wasn't surprising. And there's times where you can't just because right. if it's an ethics thing or there's something else uh, that's morally bad exactly. about it. But right. if you have the opportunity to, to kind of lay the foundation of like, this needs to improve. And if it doesn't, here's the result here's the, of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So cause and effect. And, and, and we had, we'd had that conversation a lot. So, and as a matter of fact, when I, when I originally did the, the letter to HR, just my original, you know, cover letter, they were like, Hey, we need more. And then I forwarded them all the files and they were like, thanks. This is more than what we need. <laughs> right. So, because it, it was meticulous and, you know, yeah, every conversation we'd had, you know, we, you know, we'd agreed to, we documented everything. And frankly, he wasn't a bad person. Right. right? So, and, and, and I explained that to him and I even offered, Hey, I'll write you a letter of recommendation even. And I even recommend it. Hey, I think this type role will better 
be a better fit for you. And, you know, through the rumor mill, that's the kind of role he went for. And that's where he's at and he's happy. Uh, So, sorry, Charlie, there, like, let me, let me kind of put this in a different light, right? So what if you're the technician on the other side of that, and you're not, you know, that your, your manager comes to you and says, hey, listen, performance has to improve. This is what the problem is. And look, if you're lucky enough to have a manager that actually walks through the issue with you and, and does like you did and, and took a walk with that individual, if you're on the other side of that, how do you work? And the reason I say that is I just look at if I were to put myself in the shoes of the other person and I get that conversation, and I've thought about this myself when I go into that kind of performance evaluation uh, type conversation or performance improvement conversation, is by doing this, am I going to make them so scared that they're just like, they're, they're just going to blame out and they don't, you know, they don't have a chance. And from a management standpoint, that's tough because it's like athletics or it's like uh, coaching in any, anything, right? You have to give that candid feedback and you have to give that, you know, and every person is different in how they take it, but it's such a weird situation to be in to give somebody that kind of ultimatum of, Hey, your performance either improves or, you know, coach them up or coach them out. Right. And how do you phrase it in a way that doesn't scare them to death? Or even if it's a, you know, having that conversation around, maybe your skill set just isn't right for this. How do you do that? Uh, And I, I just see this part of a relationship being so awkward and so, so poorly run in a lot of businesses in general, not just shops, but businesses in general. How do you kind of manage that, uh, that feeling of, of that employee being scared? Right. So that, that's a great question. So that all starts with the, the tone that you set for your, for your team, right? So it's, I, I believe it's possible to hold your team accountable, but at the same time, so, and it, it really comes down to trust, right? Yeah. Um, so, so building that trust up so that when you have those hard conversations with the team, yes, they're, you know, originally, initially they're going to have their, they may, it may hurt their feelings, but when all is said and done, they're going to, you know, they're going to take a look and go, you know what, that they're right, right, that I do need to work on this. And, and it may be one of those, you know, three weeks later, hey, I know we had this conversation and I just want to let you know you're right. And I want to know if I can get your help. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, and, and so the other part of that is, so uh, kind of going back to getting, knowing your people, and, and that's an ongoing process, right? Um, knowing your people. And, and it's, our lives are busy and it's, it's not easy at the start. But if you build that muscle memory and, and, you, and you find interesting ways to do that, you'd be surprised at how well you could remember the names and family member names of 80 people, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. and it's, it's just a matter of just kind of practice, you know, hey, hey, Tom, you know, how's Samantha, right? You got, she's got a birthday coming up, right? And, and, and some of that, you, with that kind of stuff, you cheat, right? Because you, you can just yeah. stick it in your calendar. But, you know, you have that. So that builds that trust, and, and then, so when you do have, I think, I think that's the key, right? So you set in the expectations, you're being clear and concise, um, you're being firm, but fair to use a military term. And then I, I think that helps a lot when you do that uh, again. So that individual that I was talking about that I had to let go, I, I've talked to some people that have talked to him um, since, and I don't know if he was paying me lip service or not, but he's like, oh yeah, you know, he, he talked about you. He goes, yeah, you know, at least, at least you took care of us. You were there. Right. Mm. So, so even though I'm sure he was mad and, and from what I heard, he goes, yeah, I was pretty upset the first couple of days, but then I moved on and, and, and I'm happy here where I'm at. Right. So yeah. It, it, sometimes it's not easy, but you know, and I have, I've, I've had, you know, I had a guy that when I was in the Marine Corps, he was, 
again, a leadership challenge, <laughs> you know, but today we're Facebook friends and he's checking in. How's it going, sir? Right. <laughs> I would, he That's was awesome. one of the, he was one of the last people I thought would have been reaching out to me. Right. Right. Because right. But there's a respect level there too, right? That Absolutely. You, you did it the right way. Absolutely. Uh, and, and even I read somewhere at one point where even if you're letting go of somebody, you, you're supposed to love them out the door, right? You're, Absolutely. You're, it's, it's not supposed to be, you know, unless they've just done something that is just Horrible. awful. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. Then it might be a different story. But if it's truly they're a good person, they're just not a good fit for you. It is kind of that love them out the door type thing too. So. Absolutely. I think, you know, going back to kind of what our core focus of, of the conversation is, is a lot of this, even when we talk about having, you know, that conversation or having that, you know, getting that, that person to respond the, the right way. I think it comes down to, to hiring the right person in the first place. Right. And, uh, and like, that's, that's a big, big piece of this whole scenario. Right. Absolutely. So again, I go back to that, that attitude and attitude. Right. So I, I want people with positive attitudes and, you know, we all have our bad days. Sure. So, so that's a key piece as well. And then also understanding how they're going to fit with the current and potentially future team members. Right. Yeah. So, so that's another piece. And I don't want for me, I've always ironically enough, and it's, it, it's caused some friction, but good friction, I believe. I don't want everybody thinking the same way. Right. Because right. if we all think the same way, there's a chance we're all going to miss the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so I think that's, that's a big piece, most definitely. So when you're interviewing those candidates or when you're evaluating those candidates, I want to know, okay, so same thing. So, and I've, I've been known to ask, so what's your, not necessarily the cliche, what do you see yourself in five years type question, but you know, I, I want to get to know, you know, where, where they're coming from. Right. So I want to understand where they're coming from, where they're at today and get a glimpse of where they think they want to go. Right. So I think that's a key piece. So the, 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 the young lady that I interviewed, the one I was talk, I spoke of earlier, when I interviewed her within 10 minutes of our conversation, I was, I was actually done with the interview 10 minutes in. Um, yeah. It's just based on our conversation and probably about 15 minutes in, I, I, I actually sat back and I was like, Hey, so I'm, I have what I need. I'm done unless you have other questions. I found out later that I kind of made her very nervous, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But it was because I saw the passion in the eyes. It wasn't something that you could fake, right? So I could see the passion in the eyes. And, and I don't know if she realized it at the time, you know, I was, I was literally hiring her to do GPS installs and yard work, but, but I definitely saw more than that. And she proved, you know, she proved to be even more than what I saw her as. Um, so, so I think that's key there is just kind of, and again, she's got the right attitude and every few months I should bug her, bug her and go, Hey, so, or what book have you read lately? Hey, do, Love I, that. do, I, do I need to send you one? I got a good one that you should read. Hey, how, you know, how, how things at work, you know, when are you going, when do you think you're going to make that next step? Cause you'll make a good supervisor and she will, she's, she's, she's got the right mindset to, to be an awesome manager someday. That is cool. And I, I love the fact that you're reaching out to her and, and sending books and, and just, you know, really kind of having that relationship where you maintain it even after the fact, right? And it Absolutely. shows that you truly care. And, and I, you hit on something there too, with the attitude and aptitude uh, thing, where I think where a lot of shops and, and businesses in general go wrong is their approach to hiring in the first place. 
a lot of times they'll, you know, it gets to the point to where they look at it and they say, you know, we need a person tomorrow. We're so busy. We just need to hire a body. And what happens then is you make a desperate hire and it's not maybe the, the, the best. Yeah. It's not the best fit. Right. And, and this is where you get a lot of frustration because then it's a year or two of just complete misery because <laughs> you, you didn't take the time to, to go through the hiring process correctly. Do you, do you, is that something you see there as well, as far as maybe with some of your clients of, of maybe some of those hiring errors to start with that create a lot of, a lot of headaches down the road? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, I think you're bring up a great point there. So, so sometimes we, we think we're short. So my philosophy is if I'm supposed to have 10, I want seven. Mm. Right. And I don't want more than seven because so for a few reasons. Right. So going back to that attitude and aptitude, if I've built that team, right, those seven are going to perform what 15 can do. Yeah. Right. So if I'm going and my goal there is I'm going to give them the right tools. And and so that means a little bit more more work on my part. But, you know, if I'm getting paid more then I should be doing more from that aspect. So for me as a manager and as a leader, I believe our our core job is to provide our team with the tools they need to be successful and hold them accountable. Yes. Right. And, and yes. that accountability, that accountable piece, isn't the bad stuff necessarily. It's just, you know, how do I make sure they understand the expectations really? Right. So, and, and again, I've, I've done that. And so throughout my career in the Marine Corps leading platoons and, and teams, that's always been my, and I, you know, I've kind of probably where I learned it from. I was always short, right. But yeah. guess what? We always got the job done. <laughs> and, and, it, and it seems that, you know, because, you know, the people were ready to step up. I, I think, I, I think we don't give people enough credit, right? Uh, we just assume just because someone's a, a mechanic helper today that they, they're not capable of, right. of doing anything else or, Hey, he's that guy's green. He's not capable of doing anything else, you know? You yeah. Know, prove, prove yourself wrong. So I think you'd be surprised uh, at, uh, at what those individuals would do. So I, I, same thing when I, when I worked for the municipality, I, I hired a young man uh, at the time we were looking to, I was looking to actually implement a, uh, an apprenticeship program. And for me, he was a good candidate. You know, he had some trouble in his younger years. He was looking to go to tech school and, and luck would have it. The tech school was 20 minutes from the shop. Um, so, you know, and I knew the instructors. So I, I just talking to him in the interview, I was like, yep, I want this guy because he's got the right attitude. He's got the right aptitude. He, he, he'll be able to go to school. And, and even if he's a few minutes late, I know what's going on there. Right. Cause I know the schedule and, and everything and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd be a great candidate to bring up. So this guy worked so we, you know, we gave him an opportunity. This guy worked so hard. My boss actually stole him from me. Oh. <laughs> to put him in the shop. <laughs> right. It started off. Yeah. Right. It, it started off as, Hey, I need to borrow this guy for, to, to do this for a couple, you know, for a week or two. And I never got him back. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, so, and I think that's the key, right. So pro- provide them the tools they need and challenge them. And, and I think you, you know, again, kind of going back to that pre-evaluation, you know, what's my current operations now? And, and I don't want to wait to point of, oh man, you know, I, I need more capacity, right? I, I want to understand what that looks like six months from now, a year from now, today. I want to have a good idea of that, right? So I think that's, that's key, right? You know, to know, okay, this is what my operations has going on. Um, this is where I think I need, and that's not easy, right? right. To, know, to know, okay, especially from a dealership, I, I don't always know that day to day. Yeah. But 
if I build the right core team, that doesn't matter as much because I'll be able to grow and expand. Um, and those folks will grow and expand with me as that happens. And then that, that, so the other piece of staying lean like that is I don't have to, if, if things get, you know, a little slow, I don't have to worry about laying off. Right. Right. People, people still get to eat. People still get to maintain their lives. Right. Or if I do have to lay off, guess what? Those people are so good. There's going to be somebody else that's already been bugging them to come work for them anyways. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it, you know, when I have to sit down and say, Hey guys, you know, we, we may have to get lean. There may be some folks that volunteer and say, Hey, I'll, I'll stay so these people, I'll, you know, I'll leave so these people can stay because I got a job offer anyway, right? And that's just a good, that's just good people, right? Like right. And, yeah. yeah, right. So, and then you have that conversation. Hey, just don't forget, if you want to come back. You know, <laughs> we'll come, need you right? again. <laughs> right. So a, a while back, I, I actually had one of my executives, uh, one of my uh, deputy directors, as we had that kind of conversation about, hey, this is the kind of training I want to do. This is what, you know, this is what I want to, I want to build a program well, I'm afraid that they're going to get the training and leave. Mm. Well, um, you know, I, I can understand that, but it's a risk I'm willing to take because, you know, I understand, I may not be able to put the numbers right in front of you today, but I understand the cost of not training those individuals, right? I'm going to have more, you know, I'm going to have more rework, right? Because they're not, and I'm going to have things that take longer. Right. Well, and, and that's, I mean, the uh, Richard Branson quote, uh, and I can't think of it off the top of my head, yeah. but basically if it's uh, if somebody, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If, uh, if I train them and I, they leave, uh, what happens? And, and yeah. his response was, what if, what happens if I don't it's train, train them? Stay. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Charlie, we're, we're kind of rolling up on our hour here. Uh, is there any parting words of advice that you would have for somebody running a shop and really how, how to handle people, how to, you know, I think the, the hardest part about this business, I, I've heard this, uh, I had a former boss that said, this business would be really easy if it wasn't for people. <laughs> is, there, is there any parting advice that you would have for our listeners? Right. So I, w- I would say, you know, at the end of the day, to put it simply, take care of your people and they'll take care of you. Mm, yeah. Right. So that, and that's, uh, again, that's worked for me. If, if you take care of your people, they're, they're going to do what they need to do to make sure they all get taken care of, right? You Again, you're gonna always have those one-offs, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, just another example there. So one of my previous roles where it was coming close to the holidays, you know, and, and typically things got kind of slow. So everybody's kind of discussing time off, you know, same thing. Some of the supervisors were saying, hey, you know what, you wanna take off when? Okay, yep. So I'll push mine till later, right? So there, and I didn't have to intervene there. It, it was nice, right? Because I didn't have to say, no, you can't take off here because this person's going. They worked together to figure that out and they present it to me. Hey, this is what we want to do, right? right. So, so I, again, set the conditions for your people to be successful. And, you know, the success of the business becomes a byproduct of that. I love that. And I, I can't tell you how much I respect the way that you treat people and the way you handle your business. I, uh, it's definitely an example that I try to live up to and, and, and really have a lot to learn. So I'm sure I'll be picking your brain again here down the road. But uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Charlie. We truly appreciate it. And I'm, I'm guessing we'll have a lot of people that are able to learn from you uh, here today. Awesome. That's great to hear. And uh, it's a pleasure. I'm glad you had me on. Thank you, Charlie.